All right, everybody, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. This is a very special episode and collaboration with Let's Grab Coffee featuring George Khalife and meets the Canvas series, you know, hosted by yours truly, Raphael Wong. So to kick things off, I mean, George, you know, why don't we share a little bit about yourself, your story, what is Let's Grab Coffee all about and what are you working towards through this project? Sure, well, Raph, first of all, Thank you for having me on Canvas Series. I know this has been a long time in the making. Uh, so look, everybody, you know, very happy to do this. And, and look, I'm, I was a kid who grew up in Lebanon. I lived in the Middle East half my life. Uh, ended up immigrating to Canada, came here, um, and I always grew up in a, in a family of bankers and finance. Mm -hmm. So that's something I eventually pursued in university. But I always had that sales and marketing DNA, you know, deep down, that immigrant sure. DNA, that yeah. hustler, the scrapper. Um, so, you know, on the side, what ended up happening was me starting a lot of these side hustles or side ventures, one of them being Let's Grab Coffee. So it's a podcast I created a little less than a year ago with the intention of interviewing successful people in different industries and really just doing this, man, talking, you know, sharing stories, experiences with the eventual goal of, of creating impact. Because for me, my end goal, my end objective is really legacy. And for my parents and for my, my family and friends back home, it's really financial freedom. And so everything I do now with my full time being at the Toronto Stock Exchange, and with my side hustles, it's always geared to that, and that's really my underlying purpose. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, like when you talk about, you know, today's episode is all about storytelling, right? And, you know, when you and I first uh, met up for coffee that one time, we were talking about, you know, what our mission is, what we're trying to do, where we came from, and what our current project is. And it's very clear that through that entire story, the one common theme that kept coming up was storytelling mm -hmm. and why we want to convey our thoughts and share other people's ideas through this medium, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, in your job in sales and um, Toronto Stock Exchange, uh, with your show, with your projects and your ventures, as well as the community and networks that you're plugged into, why is storytelling important? Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I want to get your perspective on this too. Um, I'll, share, I'll share a very quick story, uh, I guess a story to tell a story, but... Um, Look, I think, you know, I think what's happening a lot now, especially with marketers, with companies, everybody's product pushing. You understand? Like everybody's pushing stats. They're, they're, they're trying to assume what the consumer wants and, and they're not taking the time to really provide that value up front and, and to position their product or service in a way or in a story that's really sort of captivating. And so I found that because I work in sales, also you know, working on my personal band on LinkedIn and stuff, people resonate, people connect with people. Right? They don't connect with a product or service. Why do you love Steve Jobs so much? I mean, you love, you love the iPhone because when you hold it, you have that sense of innovation. Right, when you right. buy those MJ shoes, dude, I see people line up. I live on, near Dundas. I see people line up for literally three days just to buy the new Yeezys. And they cost like $700. I mean, there's a reason because marketers, what they, what they do is really sell you emotions. When you wear those shoes and you step on the court, who do you feel like? You feel invincible. You feel like you can jump from the free throw line exactly. and, and dunk that yeah. that shot, right? So I think that's what's interesting about storytelling. And you know, from my perspective, it's communicating value, but it's doing it in a way that people can connect with. And one quick thing I'll tell you: this is how I realized this, by the way, in a micro example. I was on LinkedIn, and I wanted to share a post. It's more of a personal one. Um, and a friend of mine was spending all day on a beach, okay, on, in a lake nearby Toronto. Um, you know, obviously, long day in the sun, you're kind of drained. We ordered our Uber, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be such a long drive home, you know, I kind of like dreaded it. I get into this Uber, and this is Persian guy. Okay, I'm like, all right, first of all, Persian, like, you know, neighbors, the brothers, I'm like, all right, here we go. What's up, my man? You know, so, but we get in, and he's like, hey, man, you want to play uh, Nintendo, you and your friend? 
like Nintendo, we're in a car right now, bro. How am I, how am I gonna play Nintendo? And I look at the panel and there's this huge screen with two consoles. So he hands us the, the consoles and he's like, pick Mario or Street Fighter. I'm like, Mario or Street Fighter? I'm like, well, let's do Street Fighter, man. So we start playing. I get home. I didn't even want to leave the car. I'm like, I have one more mission here. Like, you know, I don't yeah, stay yeah, five yeah. more minutes. Anyways, when I ended up leaving, we tipped him. I gave him a badge and all that, all the things you can do on Uber because he exceeded the customer's his value, right? He sort of challenged status quo and he over-delivered on expectation. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that post on LinkedIn. It went viral, 200,000 views because it was a personal story, but people can connect to it. So I guess that's my mindset to it. And, uh, you know, I'll position it to you. Like, how did you, how did you end up seeing the value of storytelling and how do you use it in everything you do? Yeah, so, you know, for me, storytelling was something that was very anchored, you know, when I started my career in consulting, yeah. right? I used to, you know, when I first started off as an analyst, I would just, you know, give my manager or partner all the information, all the stats. And his first question, and like, I'll never forget this, his first question every single time is always, okay, Ralph, so what's the story? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the story before all else? Like, why are we here? You know, why is this important? How is this relevant to the other person? So to your point, I think the ability to connect and demonstrate value that the other person can understand mm-hmm. is so important, right? So very early on, start to understand well, what is storytelling, right? And I think, you know, growing up, I hated uh, public speaking. I hated really? storytelling. I hated presentations. The mm-hmm. idea of getting up and talking to people was the most uncomfortable feeling and I didn't truly understand what the value of it but I think you know as I you know progressed in my career started using it more I think storytelling really is a way to connect at the why level and you know really level set on that share you know about how you plan on approaching and talking ideas and you know uh, plans and how you want to tackle something and then talking about the end product, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, Simon Sinek does a good job about talking why, how, and what in that yeah. golden circle. And that's kind of how I think about stories. Because, you know, growing up, I think we all connected the most and learned the most through stories. Whether yeah. it's a book, you know, something like your parents read to you before you went to bed. Yeah, bedtime stories, right? Yeah, bedtime. exactly. Yeah. Right? TV shows, movies, everything. Yeah. And I think there's always a lesson involved. And it's deeper in terms of understanding value and understanding what the person is trying to say opposed to someone just you know spitting out facts at you right yeah. like no one like I don't imagine most people enjoyed um, you know when someone just tells them facts and data information like university but when someone mm-hmm. can thread it together in a story that has you know like the struggle the climax has a good plot to it it's interesting it's you know relatable mm-hmm. I think that's when people truly understand it and you know much like you through the canvas series it's about you know, using storytelling as a vehicle to share ideas, to yeah. share how people are doing something, to create value, create impact, and storytelling was the vehicle I chose for that. And can I just make one point here, because I think it's very important for people watching this. I think when people think about storytelling, like there's different me- mediums to do it, right? These are all just social channels, man. Yeah. You know, whether you use Instagram Live, whether you use SoundCloud, whether YouTube, live stream, whatever the heck it is, there's different mediums and there's different frequencies. So you made the point that when you were younger, you weren't necessarily comfortable doing public speaking. But, man, I can attest to the fact that you're very comfortable on camera, and that's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. When this thing turns on, when these are, are live, these you know microphones, it gets very sort of uh, nerve-wracking. You know, you can see it play, and everything's live, and you're on the go now. You know, there is no rehearsing. Like, yes, this is it. it this is. is it. It's go time. And so doing that, being comfortable, knowing what questions to ask, making sure it's, it's flowing freely... That's also a skill too. And so what I think you did through Canvas is, is find your, you were able to find your medium and you were able to use that as leverage to create tangible, positive value for people who want to listen. Absolutely. So I'm curious, you know, like um, 
when you first started off doing your YouTube videos back in 2015, and it started off with just you talking to, which evolved into podcasts and like your show now, mm-hmm. um, Let's Grab Coffee, as well as all the speaking engagements you do, you know, participating and hosting the LinkedIn events, so on and so forth. I'm curious, like, like in the very beginning, how did you get started? Like, what were some of the specific thoughts or decisions or actions that you took mm-hmm. that you know led you to go like, you know what? Um, the way I'm going to first add value is through video and then podcasting and then live speaking. Like, how, like how did it start and how has it evolved since? Look, I think I think deep down, I, I love putting myself in a very uncomfortable position. And everybody who maybe sees me speak or even sees this podcast will be like, "Wow, what a you know this guy's so comfortable on camera or comfortable on stage and all that stuff." That wasn't always the case for me. You know, like I always tell the story, and I've probably said it too many times, but in grade five, I had a teacher. Uh, you know, I had recently immigrated to Canada, and I was actually in a French school before, so English was actually, uh, back then, my third language, and, you know, I was just struggling with presenting. I actually had a very big stuttering problem, I was overweight, super insecure, um, you know, just, I, I wasn't confident, and, and so I went in front of the class, and I was presenting this this project, and I remember after I finished the project, teacher comes to me and says, George, I don't think you're ever going to be a good communicator. You know, indirectly kind of hinting uh, at me saying that. She's like, I, don't, I just don't think business or communication is going to be your thing. You might excel in many other things, but this is not going to be your thing. And when she said that, it, it just sparked a fire. And ever since then, I've always, you know, it's kind of been a, a motivator, not to just prove her, her wrong, but to prove to myself that I can do it. And so whether it be the podcast, like people don't get this, but I, I started the podcast out of thin air. You understand? Like, I didn't know how to do any of this. I still kind of, I know probably like 50% of it. I'm still learning the production and how to do all this micro stuff. When I created my blog, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I almost just I googled like how do you how do you start a website using WordPress or Wix? You know, like that's and so everything I've done, man. It's not that I've been fully prepared or I waited for the perfect time. I just kind of started doing it. And so, like the speaking engagements, I think it takes time. It's through experience. Sure, some personality traits help, like charisma and you know doing all this. But I think for me, I figured out how to be confident with what I'm good at. So I'm over-indexing on my strengths. And I'm sort of undermining my, my weaknesses, mm-hmm. you know, and over time, one podcast, one, if you look at podcast episodes, bro, I was a wreck. You can tell with my voice, I was super nervous. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. told you the story, I almost like died out. But, you know, I think every time you get more comfortable. So with every speaking engagement, I figure out what things to get better at. And I always tell myself, it's kind of like when you're in the gym, when I'm about to deadlift like heavyweight, you can see in my face that I'm kind of like, well, this is nothing. And it's not that I don't think it's nothing, but when I do that, it sends a signal to my brain that you got this. So when I go to speak, you can tell I'm like really comfortable externally, but internally I also get nervous. I get the butterflies. For sure. But I'm telling myself, dude, you got this and let's do it. Let's have fun with it. You know? So I don't know how, how you were able to sort of, you know, deal with that. Maybe it, it took in, in a different position, but how, how, how did you go from being super nervous and knowing that, you know, to now doing your own podcast and being comfortable in front of the camera? How do, how do, you, do, how do you deal with it? As in, maybe as a more introverted person. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, you know, as a more um, introverted person, um, you know, definitely had a lot of thinking involved in my head, right? And like, not to say I was, you know, overthinking it because my first episode, you know, much like you, I turned on my laptop, I jumped on Skype with my friend Katie, I turned on QuickTime Player, and I fired away. Right? Okay. It was super simple. Were you nervous? Oh yeah, I was freaking yeah. out. I was freaking out absolutely, <laughs> and and even up until now, I'm pretty nervous right now. I'm not even gonna lie, right? And you know, it, it's something that you know, as uh, as an introvert, the idea of you know being in front of people, or I guess you know, like you know, putting out my thoughts out there publicly is mm-hmm. very challenging, right? And um, what do you find challenging about it? 
I think in terms of being able um, into words that people can understand, right? like I think a lot. I think you overanalyze. I wouldn't say I overanalyze like specific details and stuff per se, but yeah. like I live like like I definitely have a narrative in my head. I think a lot in my head. I live a lot okay. in my head per se, right? Like when I'm you know often at the end of the day I come home and like I gotta take some time to think. So knowing that though, I definitely use that. Um, as a strength, I had to play to the cards that you're dealt with, right? And it's kind of like every single night I think about, okay, like, you know, what are some of the thoughts I had today? What are some of the key decisions? What are some of the actions? What are the things I'm grateful for? What are the things I'm excited about? Yeah. And just by documenting that every single day, and I've been doing that for, you know, a couple of years now, that's, you know, really formed the content that forms my narrative, my story, mm-hmm. right? And it really started by just doing a dump of everything in my head out here onto like the phone that I you know write these notes on and then from there like having all this content gives me a lot more confidence I can you know move things around and really formulate what that point of view is mm-hmm. which allows me to you know better tell my story right because mm-hmm. like you know doing it on the fly is a lot more challenging whereas knowing that I think about this every single day already and practice taking the thoughts in my head and putting it out into words practicing that every single day has helped me you know better tell stories that's kind of interesting i'm just thinking about because i think that's maybe the major difference you know for me like i'm such a sort of improv kind of person even when i'm presenting like i have a general idea of what i'm supposed to say like even when we're talking about how to set up this podcast i learned a lot from your structure too you know, and I, I really admire the fact that you're super professional about it. And you go like, line up and you know, we set up the questions beforehand. I love that type of trail, mm-hmm. you know. And I've always been the person that like, like once you turn this on, let's do it. Just go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think even as a, as a like as a younger kid, I mean, in, in high school, I was part of a musical. Annie, don't judge me on this. All right, I played Mr. Warbucks. It was once. I, I enjoyed it though. It was it was awesome. And always had that like stand up comedy kind of feel. You know, like seriousness, but I always use kind of a little bit of jokes in, in my presentation style. So I just wanted to, that's kind of an interesting fact. So out of curiosity then, so, so yeah. you know, say there's someone in front of us right now and they have an interesting idea yeah. or, you know, they have a point of view they want to share or some way that they want to create outcomes and impact for people. Yeah. Um, what would you recommend them to do to start telling a story around this? Like, what are the specific steps that someone should think about? Whether they are more extroverted or introverted, like, no, what is that process? Okay, well, let's, because I think most of the audience is probably within our age category, right? So I'm 24, but I probably look like I'm 42. Um, uh, so look, if, if you're in that, if you're in that bucket, if you're a student, university, or in, in that younger bracket, uh, I think this is going to be very, very important advice to you. And I, I only say this because I actually deal with it many times, especially when it comes to storytelling or putting yourself out there. Okay. The one thing I always hear, and I think it was in one of our questions, well, George, I'm only 20, right? George, I'm only 19 or 21. What do I have to say that people exactly. can, can you know, derive value from? And I sit there, I'm like, that's hilarious because you've lived 21 years, you've lived 20 years, and you have experiences right now, you have stories, you have ideas, and you've been through situations that only you have been through. Understand? Like, that's unique to your scenario. That's unique to your life. Depends on where you grew up. You know, your situation and your socialization, the schools you went through, uh, the experiences that you dealt with, all these things you can take, you can package, and then you can spit them out in a way that people can either, you know, take motivation from, inspiration from, value, they can resonate, they can, t- you know what, Ralph, man, you share that story and I really connected with it because I went through something similar. Yes. Like, that's what you're doing. 
And this takes a lot of credit. I'm not saying it's easy. It's very difficult to do this, man. You're going to get hackled at some points. People might not understand what you're doing. But I think if you, if, you, if you stay genuine, let me be micro, if you stay genuine, if you're passionate about the things you talk about, and especially when you're, not, when you're young, talking about an experience you've been through, people can't call bullshit on. Because it's not you learning from an article and then recycling that content out and, and then you know, changing your headline on LinkedIn and calling yourself a blockchain guru. There's a difference, or you know what I mean? Or like, I'm, I'm a motivational leader now and you're like 19. There's a difference. But if you're passionate, you're genuine, and you spit content that's true to you and that you really know deep within your core, nobody can mess and people are going to get value and you're going to make impact. So yeah. execute. I would, you know, to build on top of that, definitely if I were to break up into two categories or, you know, two sides of the equation, one is to be aware, you know, self-aware yeah. of your own story, your own content, you know, as well as, you know, what are other people thinking about? Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, when I first started the podcast, um, I did a feedback exercise with, you know, people in my circles, family, friends, colleagues, mentors, people I play sports with, people in the community, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And just really understanding, you know, like, what are the things you think about? You know, what are the challenges you face? What are the interactions we have that you get the most value or energy or excitement about? And really identifying that need that people are wondering, what are other people doing to get started? Mm -hmm. That need was kind of like, okay, so now I have the need. And then I started asking myself, okay, so what do I enjoy having these conversations to your point? And what are you genuinely interested in doing? Right? So you have a need and you have something you enjoy. That's enough to get you started. Yeah. Right? And then the second half of the equation uh, is to just execute. Right? I think you know, for both you and I, we have a very similar story. Like We just you know, fired up the laptop and started going. Right? Right. And like, you improve over time. And like, like I'm sure you know, much for yourself as well. Like the, you know, not to say my first episode, like my early episodes were bad. No, they were fantastic. I love them truly. But like they improve over time, they mm. evolve your point of view. Like your your questions are more focused, you're more clear and articulate, and I, yeah, yeah, more confident in general. And I think just that awareness and execution factor, mm. you just gotta build it up to a point, and then and then just go and just start running at it, right? So how, how, when you talk about self awareness, which is very true, I mean that's what I mean by by being genuine and passionate, and all that stuff. So having that level of EQ, how, how do you go about finding it within yourself? And obviously, it's a work in progress. I get mm -hmm. it. But how, how do you go about doing it? Yeah, so I, I would say you know, this is where you know, being more introverted has definitely helped in my perspective because, I, mm. uh, as I mentioned before, I spend a lot of time you know, with myself thinking a lot of whatnot. And uh, like a lot of those times when I'm thinking to myself, if there's one thing I'm very comfortable with is having the tough conversations with myself and really understanding you know like what is it that thing that makes you uncomfortable like and it, it really and it usually comes back to some form of insecurity yeah. that most people don't want to acknowledge and I think in terms of a habit and routine every single night I ask those questions I outlined earlier right like what am I grateful for what are some of the big thoughts and decisions and actions I took you know what did I do today that I really didn't want to do and I ask myself these questions every single night for years now and I don't miss a single day because it forces me to think about those things mm -hmm. and it puts it you know top of mind mm -hmm. right so as I go through the day when I catch myself making a big decision or taking um, action on something I really didn't want to do I catch myself I go like oh right yeah like I just did that I have something to write about tonight yeah. and that builds up over time and you really you know like like I think self-awareness is a it's a skill like anything else. It's like working sure. out. Like you got to practice at it. You got to go at it every single day, right? Yeah. And I, I love, love it. yourself. Well, I, just, I feel like like everybody's trying to find an answer. 
right? Everybody just wants it tomorrow. Like I'm gonna go to you know pick up a, a dumbbell and tomorrow I'm gonna look like Arnold. Everybody wants to answer that quick diet or that Bernstein or whatever that, whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. And I think you know you should enjoy the process. Like yes. doing this, man, and learning from it. And you just talked about like looking back at episode one and it being the building blocks and, and giving you confidence. Like that's enjoyable because you can look back at one point after doing a hundred episodes. Be like, man, I stuck to this. I was consistent. I kept improving. And I overcame challenges, and I did this on the side. Even I had a full-time job, and it was hectic at times. That, like, this is why it's also important—not just to be self-aware, but do something that you're passionate about. This isn't fluffy. I'm not trying to act like Tony Robbins, but the reason why that's important is because when you face a, a roadblock or a challenge, you're still doing this on it. Man, it's two thirty, what three thirty p.m. on a on a Saturday, and it, this is like the, I'm telling you, for people who are not in Canada, this is the first day that it was sunny. Yeah. With no snow, do you understand? Everybody's throwing frisbees outside and stuff, and. We're doing a podcast. Why? Because we love it. You, you you can't fake this. This isn't bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. you're doing this because you love it. I'm here because I love doing this too. You understand? And if you do, and if you keep doing things like this, I think you're going to be successful in, in anything you want to pursue. Absolutely. Uh, so you touched on the point earlier about, you know, really enjoying the process. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, loop back in a, a point we talked earlier about, you know, doubt and fear. Yeah. Right? And I think, you know, for a lot of people, the reason why they don't enjoy public speaking, and myself included, is because of fear, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's scary to do presentations, public speaking, sharing content, creating content online. So, you know, what does fear mean to you? I know you've had a, you know, like a very interesting acronym you've used in the past videos. Yeah. And how do you tackle that fear when you first got started? Like, how did you push yourself to launch that first video in 2015 in the winter? And how did you overcome some of that fear? Okay. Well, first of all, I think you, people need to understand the difference between fear and danger, right? So fear is false expectation of hearing real. That's the acronym, okay? I know it sounds like, so let me break it down for you in, in a cool story, okay? And, and by the way, when we talk about fear, the reason why people have this fear is because everybody feels it when undergoing a certain level of change. Okay? As an example, think of a time when when you know you did something different for once. You asked a you know a girl out on a on a date and you were kind of nervous. That's that's a change. You went from high school to university. It's a change. You moved out of your parents' house and, and now you're on your own and you're working for the first time and you're paying your own bills. It's a change. In every single instance, you feel fear. Right? Or if you want to create a podcast, the reason, or you, you step on stage, right? Nothing negative has happened yet, but it's only built up in your mind, right? Because you're playing negative consequence of things that might occur if things don't go well. And so you're scared. You're scared of what people might think, what people might say. You're scared of some, someone that ridicules you and all that stuff. So, one of the inst- inst- interesting stories I went through is um, I was in Dubai, okay, and I, I love scuba diving. But this one time I told my dad I wanted to go, and he's like, dude, why don't you do something different? He's like, why don't you go skydiving? And this is my dad telling me, right? Like a Lebanese dad, man. So I didn't expect this, but he's like, screw it. Just jump, you know, throw your body tomorrow outside of a plane. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. I book, and by the way, I went by myself. This was impulsive. I literally booked it for the next day. The night of, I had my cousin's, like, pretty much like wedding, you know? So it, it was just not, it was not the perfect timing. Anyways, I go to sky, uh, Skydive Dubai, which is a very kind of like famous place. A lot of celebrities go there. Will Smith recently went. Um, so you go, you sign this waiver. Dude, the pay- pages are like, it's like 30 pages of just wait, like disclaimers and all. I didn't look at anything. I'm just like, flip to the back. I'm like, sign it, take it. Let's go. And I'm trying to like keep myself pumped up. My sister's with me. I don't want to look weird, you know, and really nervous. They strap you up and you're ready to go. And I'll show you the different stages of change. So the person who's strapped to me, is this lady who's like five foot four, 
I'm almost like six, right? I'm 5'11", 210 pounds, I'm an easy dude, you know, so she straps onto me. And when I stand up, you have to understand, like, I kind of almost like pull her up and I'm like, I don't know if this is safe, man. Like, how am I going to jump out of a plane? Like, I need like Dwayne Johnson or something. Like, I need to feel safe up in here, man, you know? <laughs> Anyways, we start heading to the plane. It's a small plane. There's no door. Okay, so it's an open door. You walk into the plane. Here's my advice to everybody listening if you want to go skydiving. Do not be the last person on the plane because you'll be the first person out. It's the stupidest mistake I did. And I get it. And I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be so easy. I'll be the last one out. They're going to be like, you good? You can't hear. You good? You're going to be the first one to jump. I'm like, what was that? What? Um, no, hey. Come on. Just let other people want to go first. Let's be nice here. So anyways, then there's like this this light, right? Red, green, uh, red, green yellow. And you, she's, when she taps me on the chest, she's like, start walking to the ledge. I'm like, we're going to do it? She's like, start walking to the ledge, George. So you start walking to the ledge, and you're holding this thing, man. And it's all on YouTube if you want to see this video. And she kind of like rocks you three times, okay? Now, she's rocking you, and you're looking down, man. You're 15,000 feet in the air with, on a moving plane. You understand? Like, so we're moving, and she's like, look up so that you don't get dizzy. So I look up, and we just make the jump. Now, through the whole stages, when I got to skydive Dubai, I was literally about to shit myself. Like, I was so scared, you know? Big dude, inside, I was literally about to die. When I get on the plane, this is like the excitement. Now you're excited, right? You're getting, you're, you don't know what to expect, you're nervous, but it's so much emotion, you don't even know what to make of it. Then, I really felt fear. Like, when I walked to the edge, this is like reality hits in, like, slaps you in the face. You're like, oh my God. Like, I'm actually here, this is actually happening. When you jump, it's like an overwhelming feeling. Like, wow, like, I'm doing this, you know? When she pulls the parachute, then you enjoy it, right? You take it all in. You look at the view, everything's cool. You feel like it's an insane amount of confidence. When you land, dude, it was the most exhilarating feeling I've ever had in my entire life. I breathed oxygen like I never you know, breathed it before. And, and you come out of there like, I don't know what else I can do now. You know, I just jumped out of a plane. And so in anything you do, any change that you have to go through, you're going to feel those different stages. I love that, and and you know, and yeah, like I've gone skydiving yeah. before too, and like I, I totally get that entire journey, right? So, and you know, like a very clear distinction that you made that I want to highlight, you know, and I really want to emphasize on is that there's a difference between fear and danger, right? Yeah. So, I you know became obsessed with how the brain works and neuroscience and right. you know what is fear right and that you know a long story short it's rooted in this part of your brain called the amygdala mm-hmm. and it's you know part of um, like a center of your brain that helps you kind of get into um, fight or flight mode right and then like you start releasing like adrenaline and dopamine that feel good that's why you feel that rush when you're about to jump out of the plane right yeah. and I think the biggest thing is you know that was you know, very core to our existence and survival as a species because it kept yeah. us alive. Fear kept us alive, right? Because of like, you know, animals and like other kinds of threats, right? And you know, to your point now, when you're walking on stage, it's really important to differentiate. Like, is this actually dangerous? Is this, you know, like, are you walking down a dark alley and it, like your senses are telling you that this is a bad idea? That's danger. And then there's fear, like, you know, like fear, like, you know, what are people going to think? What are they going to judge? But, like, you know, something I constantly remind myself is when I start feeling that sense of fear, it really is, is this something that's actually going to kill me or hurt me? Like, is this actually real danger? What's the worst case? Yeah, what's the worst case, right? 
And, you know, I think as part of humans, as part of revolution, you know, when you got, you know, kicked out of your tribe or your group and you got banished on your own, your chances of, you know, survival, you know, drops to like basically nothing. Like you're on your own out there in the world, you're going to die probably, right? So that's why I think, you know, like we, and as well, like humans are social animals and we need to belong, feeling of, of that feeling of belonging. And yeah. when that's at risk, Right, so when we put ourselves out there and there's the risk of someone, you know, judging us and kicking us out, so to speak, we get afraid of that. And I think to your point, just really acknowledging and understanding that is this really that bad. And I, I love the fact that you bring sight and I, I want to ask you a question. So I think for, for someone watching this, much like myself, even when fear sometimes kicks in, and by the way, when I say this, like, by no means have I always overcame fear in a... In a sort of courageous way like I've had instances where I've been like really shut down and challenged and, and I let it get to me so if someone's watching this and they've been through that instance you know what would you tell them like if they actually face fear they let it get to them they got in a little bit of a slump now they're trying to get back to it it's sometimes difficult Mm-hmm. So, have you sort of felt that? If so, oh, how every do you, day, how do you deal every, with it? Day. every day. Uh, I would say, like, uh, honestly, most days, um, and if anything, like, I think it's still there every single day. It's just how I deal with it. It's been a little better now. So, what right? do you do? So, again, I think, you know, for me personally, you know, yeah. someone more introverted, every night, it, like, it comes back to that routine. It comes back to that last, you know, 15, 20 minutes before I go to sleep, just asking myself and thinking through these questions. And, like, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's like the fear is very much there. Right, like right now, you know what I mean? Like, like the fear doesn't necessarily go away, and I don't think. I think it was Seth Godin who said in a, um, in one of his shows, like you know, like this is biological; it's never gonna go away. Mm-hmm. I think it's about just learning how to dance with it, learning yeah. how to embrace it, embrace it right? Yeah. And like, it's gonna suck, and it's, and and you're gonna feel like shit, every you know, and like it, it's scary, and like you're nervous, and like you're shaking, and blah blah blah, and like I think that's part of it, but at the same time, like it, like at least for me it comes back to that question like how bad is it really Mm -hmm. right and then some little hacks that I've kind of really designed into my day to day you know when people send me messages you know whether through DMs or text messages or email whatever and they and and they tell me how the things I've done has added value for them has Mm -hmm. has taught them something has sparked an interest for them to start you know googling and learning something those you know thank yous and acknowledgements I keep on my phone I have like a full like yeah. an album yeah, I have the yeah. screenshots and whenever I'm really feeling that kind of that low point that fear and I'm scared I remind myself like okay like yeah there's a fear of people might judge me and whatnot, but there are people who really benefit from it mm-hmm. right and then you know tying those little pieces of evidence with that question what is the worst thing that can happen coupled by all the good things that has come from it mm. that's how I face fear yeah. every single day like I, like I do that little checkpoint every single day and two together it helps me get through it I love that it's like it's a, it's a, I think what Gary Vee says it's like one over zero you know if one person you know got impacted or received any value or any some positive change through what you're doing I think that has a lot of value and, and we talk about like the worst case scenario dude the worst case scenario is everybody has pretty much on average 28,000 days on the surf that is the worst case scenario. You're all gonna, like, we're all gonna die. You're gonna die, I'm gonna die. You're gonna die, everybody watching this, you're gonna die too. You gotta embrace it. Like, and if you don't do it now, when are you gonna do it? If not you, who? You understand? So like, at one point in time, the biggest fear for me, to be very frank with you, is being 80 years old, you know, on a couch, looking back at my life and saying, bro, you're 24. 
and you had every capability. You were able to walk. You had your full health. You were in good shape. All you were in a good mental we state. You had all of this. You had your network. You lived in downtown Toronto. Yeah. Like that's the one percent, man. And and you didn't do it because you were scared of what people might think. Are you crazy? You know. And so I almost give myself like a mental slap on my jaw every time I feel this way. I'm like, just stop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Stop. This is what you want to do, isn't it? Nobody's putting a gun to your head saying you got to do it. So if it is, go out, head up, chin up, you know, and face it. Face it like a man. Like, go do it. Embrace it. But, but have control over it. And, and don't let what other people might think or what's it define you. Because 99% of it doesn't matter. I care about certain people in my life, like my family, close friends. That's it. And I listen constructively to their, to their advice because I know they have my best interest. Everybody else, if it's super negative and it's not out of context, I don't care. One last thing I'll leave you uh, on this topic I'll leave you with is when someone, like if I don't know you, Raph, right? And I come in, I'm like, oh, Raph, you have a podcast? <laughs> you know, that's so cool, dude. What do you do that on Saturdays? You know, like this, this kind of mentality that people will try to put you down in. And I'm like, but who cares? Because that person telling you this, they don't know me. They don't know you. They don't know the full Raph. You understand? Like, I haven't been there with you for the 20 plus years. I don't know you from, from A to Z. You caught a glimpse of what I'm doing. So if you caught a glimpse, like if you watch this right now and you watch one minute of this whole video, you might think Rav and I are douchebags, right? Who knows? Like you might have all these different, I hope not, but you have all these like these, these, um, these misconceptions of, of who we are because you didn't take the chance and the time to watch the full segment. And so once, when I get this feedback, I kind of do it humorously and I'm like, well, honestly, I really appreciate the advice, man. I'd love that. You know, I'll definitely take it into consideration. Can I just ask like, Please just watch this for the whole full hour and then come back to me. Let's have a like mature discussion about what you think that I did wrong. You know, and so if you put yourself always up top and you leave your ego on the side, I think people eventually will, will respect it. If they don't, many dogs are going to bark on the street. You can't stop wherever you want. And that's brilliant, right? I think, I think you know, um, acknowledging that and having that conversation as well as that understanding in your head. And, and like I would say to even build on top of that, I, you know, when it's when that happens to me which has happened many times already I'm sure yeah. for you as well I flip back the question right so you know I understand that one you know this contest not for everybody and you know after say they listen to the whole episode and still not for them like that's okay right it, it's not meant to be for everybody that's the first thing the second thing is I think you know I try to flip back the question and ask them okay how could I make this relevant for you how can I make yeah. this valuable for you and once I switch the um, the switch, so to speak, and you know, make it about them again. You know, they they go from offense about oh, like it's not that good, blah blah blah. This is silly. This is a joke. To suddenly, oh, like this person's asking me, you know, what do I care about? What do I want to learn? And then suddenly they start talking, and that 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 relatability, that ability to connect and empathize, putting it back on people actually sparks a very interesting conversation. I think I've had a lot of interesting encounters where it began like that and over the evolution of that discussion it quickly turned into like a future collaboration and let's meet up for more drinks and talk about some more right? yeah. and, and I think it's about being you know, to your point I'm leaving the ego I'm on the side and really making it about them mm-hmm. like how can you add value back to them and I think that's the beautiful thing about storytelling right yeah. it's like everyone's got a story you just gotta tap into it and get them to start sharing their story mm-hmm. and then you know finding ways to improve it and adding value to that um so speaking of story as well like you know like you mentioned earlier that you know, i think both of us um we acknowledge that our content is not for everybody yeah. so for someone you know starting out right now right so you no know, like you know up until now 
they know the value of storytelling, mm -hmm. right? We've covered that already. You know, but they, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, getting over that fear, which is typically the number one um, thing that impedes people from telling their story. The next thing, okay, so like, you know, what is, you know, what am I going to talk about and who is it for? How did you identify your audience and, and figure out the people that, you know, what you're trying to tell is for and, you know, what is that message? Like, how do you come up with that? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. And, you know, for me, I think I never really, like, overanalyzed what my audience is going to be and what age group and how I'm going to target I, as it relates to my podcast, uh, in fact. But when I started doing it, I kind of wanted to do it for everybody who who can take real value from what I'm saying. And at least if they if they just give it a listen, if, if they're a little bit open-minded, they'll know that I have a good intention. And if, at least if you know me personally, like you'll know where, where my position comes from and you'll derive some inspiration. And I also want it to be an idea that, that, can, that people can look at. Like I also immigrated from Lebanon, right? I grew up in Saudi and I lived in Bahrain. And if this person can come who used to be overweight, who used to be insecure, you know, who, who wasn't at the top of the class and all that stuff, like the, the whole message, right? But if this person can stand for something and can do something and can, you know, can make whatever they, they envision become a reality, why can't I do it? So that's really my only premise. I just want it to be an idea for people in my community who follow me on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook, LinkedIn, to say, look, at the end of the day, if George can do it, I can do it too. Why can't I start my blog? Why can't I start my, my podcast or whatever? Um, in terms of like a specific audience, on the other end of it, I have a lot of friends, like I have a good friend who's a YouTuber and, and she does things about like makeup and nail polish and like lifestyle and stuff more geared towards women, obviously. And, uh, it's like a lifestyle brand and stuff, but she has like, I think 500,000 subscribers or something like she's done really well and she's figured out that that's her audience. And the reason is cause she's actually passionate talking about this stuff. You're passionate about psychology. I like talking about people's stories, what they've learned, their life lessons, self-development, business, entrepreneurship. That's my field. I just love talking about it. You understand? So I, I took that and I created a platform for other people to get value from and to learn from it. So I, I think it's very simple. Talk about what you love, do the things you're passionate about, share your message, try to be open in the frequency that you're comfortable with. That, so if Gary Vee puts out 700 tweets and Instagrams in one day, you know, and I admire it very obviously, but that doesn't mean it's right for everybody. And he also says that. So find your frequency, find your channel, your channels, and find the mediums that work best for you. Um, out of curiosity, yeah. like, um, you know, the content that you consume, the podcasts, the videos, the books, the blog articles, the ones that you consume, so like, you know, like Gary, yeah. how much of what you do is, uh, you know, like, you know, replicated or similar to the stuff that you yourself um, consume? So I, I do consume a lot of content and I think I, I try not to emulate, like I try to keep it original to myself. You know, just because it works for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for me. And I, I, the last thing I want, man, is to be fake. Like, I don't want to bullshit. This is the way I've been doing it. And if you look at all my channels, if you look at all my episodes, I've tried to be consistent. Obviously, trying to improve. But my tonality, my, my questions, my demeanor, my, my, my you know, energy level has always been, always been, and I try to be consistent. And so I can consume from Gary. I can consume from Tim Ferriss you know, from Jordan Peterson, from different types of people and different avenues. And I love consuming content because here's the thing. When you're telling stories, you, you refer to Simon Sinek and Seth Godin, reading books, listening to podcasts, filling your mind with good creative content, what that enables you to do when you talk to people, when you do interviews, when you do speeches and all that stuff, it allows you to connect dots. 
And so what's very important in storytelling is making sure that your points connect and that your story flows well in a way that people can understand it. But you can only do that if your brain has a repository of, of good content that it can pull from, whether it's from your experiences or things that you've digested, and massaging it in a way that, that's valuable for people absorbing it. Yes, I love it. And, and, and I absolutely do agree. I think it's a, no, like it's a work in progress of mm. taking the things that you consume and you think about and you learn about and then you know, picking out the pieces that you like and don't like and whatnot and then you know, creating your own style, your own way of delivery, your own kind of content theory or thesis, so to speak. And for you, like what's, what, what's the best way to absorb content? Is it through other podcasts, books? Yeah, what's... both. Um, just you not know, like every day on my way to work, I, you know, I try to read some articles on my phone, I listen to podcasts, nice. um, I try to read every night, I consume a lot of content. And you know, to your point, like, yeah, there's definitely, you know, um, traits and practices that other thought leaders do that I try to, you know, learn from and adapt. But I think what's more important is adapting it um, in a manner that works for you. It's going to be contextual, right? And that's why I think, you know, like at the very beginning of this, uh, this conversation, when people just spit facts, like if you do these five things, you're going to get X. I don't see that as an effective way of doing it mm -hmm. versus telling a story because then people can relate and cherry pick the things from that story and then they adapt it back into their own narrative very true right versus you know one two three four five rules of whatever business <laughs> or like it's like it's not but, linear man. yeah exactly I mean everyone's different and I think yeah. making it contextual is the most important part that most people forget and context is real you know uh, a very effective way of making things you know, relatable and contextual is through stories because mm -hmm. everyone shares very similar stories. It might be different in the location and place and time and whatever, but like the underlying message is always the same. There's a struggle, there's a plot, there's a climax, there's a, you know, a, you know what, like a lesson learned or a good ending. I don't care what it is, right? People can relate to it. And that's what's funny, man, about like, like we're talking, talking about stories, but I don't know if you guys have, have read like The Alchemist or I love that story. Love The Alchemist, love The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. These books, what's interesting, when I was reading The Alchemist, I don't know if you, you guys feel the same way, but when you're reading it, I almost like every couple pages, I would read it and like I would take a deep breath, you know? Like I would be like, like I take it in, I kind of close it for a second, I just think. And Paulo Paulo actually talks about this in one, one of his interviews because The Alchemist, from the, from the external perspective, it seems like the book is trying to give you an answer, right? Through the person's journey, right? The shepherd, and, and there's a lot of religious context to it too, but, but in that journey, Paulo Coelho's intention is not to give you a one-form answer, like here's what you have to do, or here's the rules to life. He's giving you a trail that this person embarks on in life, which many of us go through as well. And as he's going through these different points of, of, of situations or experiences, what you're actually doing is you're living through this person's lens, this character, the main character. And you're trying to attribute what has happened to you or your ideology into that into that character. And so as the you know every chapter progresses, you're thinking to yourself, how would I navigate or how would I deal with this? Or how do I feel about this question? Yes. Right? Yes. And how is it, you know, um, relevant in your life, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't have you know, sheep to sell, and I don't have a mountain to climb for my, <laughs> you know, personal legend. But like, if you yeah. think about it, like, hey, like, what is the underlying 
lessons, lessons you're trying to teach. It's about finding your personal legend, which is your thing, whatever that is. Okay, it's a pursuit, it's a progress, something you work towards. And I think one of the you know favorite lines from that book is something along the lines of you know a, um, a, a the the thought of the fear of failure is worse than the failure itself or something like mm. that and again it's he told that um, in the context of the story but you know extracting that lesson applying it into business and work and projects and you know podcasts whatever it is you can learn those things and I think that is the power of storytelling at the end of the day mm. yeah it's like that, that other quick story he mentioned when uh, he, you know, he encounters this really wealthy person, right, and he, he enters his, like, mansion or castle, whatever it is, and uh, the guy's like, look, I want you I want you to try something. I'm going to give you a small teaspoon, and I'm going to put oil in it. What I want you to do, because obviously you see this, this huge castle of mine, it has statues and flowers and beautiful ornaments, I want you to go around, like, do a, a circle, browse, browse the castle, and have this teaspoon in your hand, and all I want you to do is, by the time you come back, I need the oil to be still in the spoon, I need it to be full. He's like, yeah, I got this, don't worry about it, man. Puts it. Now, as he's going, you know, as naturally all of us would, you know, he's trying to like, he's getting distracted. He looks at, you know, the statues and the vases and all that stuff. And he doesn't realize, but he comes back and all the oil is gone, right? He's like, all right, let's try this one more time. He puts the oil in. He does the same sort of route. This time, he doesn't look at anything. And he's just so focused on the oil. He's like holding it and making sure nothing spills. He comes back. He's like, so what you learn from this? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I don't really know what the, what the point of this was. He's like, the point of this was when you... When you're living through life and when you're going through this journey, make sure that the oil is, is almost like your character. It's your building block. It's your foundation. Never let go of that. But also don't forget to branch out and enjoy the beauty of life. To look up. Right? Like literally to look Beautiful up. Beautiful right? story, man. Yeah. You know, and it's so creative. Like these stories are what, what you, you can never forget. Like that's, I, I love remembering these types of stories because they can be used in any context, you know? Exactly. Um, so why don't we jump into the uh, the rapid fire questions? So let's ask a bunch of points of questions and uh, let's see where it goes. Cool. So just quickly for your context, what we're gonna do? So Raf, Raf and I kind of talked about this, and, and you know he's a little more introverted. I'm a little more extroverted, and we have different perspectives. And this is why it's kind of cool for you today. So we're gonna do something where we're gonna ask these like rapid questions, and just to give you the perspective of how we might defer in our answers. So. You want to kick it off? How about you? Yeah, so uh, what do you do right before a networking event? I wear a nice suit and I just go in there with a nice mom and with the objective of meeting a lot of people. How about yourself? Uh, I walk in with you know, some sort of um, goal in mind, per se. Like, you know, like I want to find someone to, um, that you know, knows about X. And it's not so much about meeting the goal. I think as an extrovert, mm-hmm. um, as an introvert, it pushes me to go and talk to people and really dig in and have conversations. I think that's more about the intent of it than actually ticking the box, so to speak. Would you would you rather speak on stage or talk to someone one on one? Talk to someone one on one. Stage, man. Yeah, the stage. That keynote gets me all the time. But, uh, yeah. How do you feel after a presentation? Amazing. You know, just like that. It's probably the... I feel most alive when I finish when I finish a, either a talk or a podcast. Like, that's when I feel that the energy. Interesting. I feel like exhausted. Yeah? Absolutely <laughs> this is the I'm talking about. Man. Exhausted. See the difference? <laughs> this is true. Okay. That's great. Uh, uh, what is your favorite story growing up? Favorite story? Oh, man. 
Uh, okay, so I, I, I love the one very quickly. It's, it's the person who wanted to change the world. So he starts from a macro perspective. I want to change the world. Very passionate, ambitious young person. Figures out he can. Starts dialing down. Goes to country. Goes to nation. Goes to town. Tries to change his family. Figures out he can't do it. 80 years old. Looks back. He's like, if only I changed myself, I would have impacted the family. They would have impacted the town. Town to the nation. Nation to country. Country world. Interesting. How about yourself? Uh, you know what, to be honest with you, I was going to say The Alchemist before you even brought it up. Yeah, that was a pop in my head. It's, good one, it's just like the idea of you know pursuing something, and it's not even about getting to it per se, it's just about everything that happens along the way, I think, is such a worthwhile story, and which is why I think both of us you know, do this podcast, because I think everyone's got such an interesting story about how they're going about doing it. Yeah, man. So I've got another question for you, too. Favorite Netflix show? Let's do it. Ooh, uh, favorite one top of my head. Um, is Billions on Netflix still? Like, I think it was in the US, but. I'm sure. Yeah, Billions, Billions? is one of my favorite shows right, like, right watch now. It's good? Highly recommend. Really? Highly recommend. Especially if like, you're a finance guy. Yeah. I recommend. Yeah. What about you? This is the issue with Netflix, man. It's just too many. Like, I'm kind of finishing up Vikings now. You know, not Narcos. You know, there's. <laughs> there's like, you know, there's. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Mind, Mindhunter? Beautiful show. If you like psychology, bro, yeah. Mindhunter. Mindhunter? Mindhunter, I'm telling you. Interesting. Great show. Um, yeah. Who is your favorite thought leader and why? Favorite thought? I think you know, Tony Robbins really impacted me, man. I, I remember I read uh, Unlimited Power. My best friend, Tony, recommended the book. He's, he's been just an amazing person in my life, and he's always been there for the tipping points. He recommended... We actually bought it together. I bought Unlimited Power and Awaken the Giant Within. And after reading that book, my entire life changed. Not in a, in a, like, obviously there's a lot in there, but just the mindset. It, it really sparked a fire. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, I would say um, Tom Bilyeu. He does impact mm. theory. And just his approach yeah. to just the preparation, the research, everything he does, and how he ties, you know, how he backs up personal development with science, psychology. And that's definitely something that I've you know, found that I, you know, resonate with as well, right? I didn't think this is all really under that, you know, personal and professional development umbrella, but how do I do it through business and entrepreneurship as a vehicle, through science and, you know, a psychology as another vehicle, right? And he was, and he started Quest Bar, or Quest Nutrition, for those who don't know, and also yeah. uh, the podcast, which is really, really big on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, for, for you, like, so if, if, if you're in a crowd, like, say you walk into to, to an event, and you see like a crowd. Do you go to the corner or the center? Ooh, um, I go on the That's outside. I go on the okay, outside. Outside. I find like you know <laughs> one true. or two people, or like a small group, and I kind of find my way in there and have a conversation. But like, I cannot do like the you know Same. ten people in a circle conversations. Like, no? not good, man. Not yeah. good at all. Do you remember like in, in high school dance parties? They would always, for some reason, I was never a really good dancer, but like I kind of just be a goof, you know. But they throw me in the middle. There was like twenty people. And, this is this is the worst part for me. Like I don't mind it in a networking event, but when it's like a dance off, and you know, especially like, <laughs> in Lebanese weddings, are infamous for this. Everybody comes around you, and then your mom pushes you in. Yeah, you know, then you're like, oh god, here we go. You know, the whole town's watching, man. You better start moving your hips, buddy. Oh man, do you have any um, daily practices or routines that um, if you don't do, you know, that day or the following day is just just off? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, gym. For sure, unless it's a day off, but uh, or some sort of fitness, you know, I do a lot of boxing, weightlifting, running now because it's summer. Um, I'd love to read, not necessarily always a book, could be an article. I always listen to podcasts every single day, different types. 
Sometimes it could be motivational speeches. I'm always interested in, in, in people and self-development. So I watch a lot of interviews of like Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs. And, uh, I love that. Uh, and coffee for sure. And probably meeting someone. I try to meet someone new every day, but, but definitely like I'll connect with at least two, three people a day. Easy. I love that. that that's at the center of what I do. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, I'd say other than the questions that I ask myself every night, um, yeah. some sort of meditation practice. Uh, what, do you, what do you do? Like what's... Uh, yeah, so I, like, like I've actually just recently, you know, I've, I've changed up the uh, practice to something that uh, um, Tony Robbins does, like his whole priming exercise, but I used to just do like, like breathing exercises and whatnot. Mm. Um, cold showers are amazing because, yeah. you know, it's one thing I've learned is that I hate doing cold showers, so, you know, talk about, you know, getting, you know, rewiring your brain to have a bias for action and to do something you don't like to do. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I absolutely hate with a passion cold showers. Nice. And by doing that in the morning, I become more prone to just do things when I don't want to do it. And again, you know, to you know, talk about building confidence, that's one thing you, like I do, right? The opposite, like as soon as you get it, like, you do yeah, so final question for me, like, you know, what is one actionable piece of advice that you want people to really take home and that they can um, implement right now to really take action and build momentum and start adding value? Yeah, look, I, I just think look, my biggest, my biggest piece of advice, and if there's one thing I can leave you today with is just start, like you need to execute. You can have a thousand ideas, you can have a hundred ideas, and that's all meaningless if you don't act on at least one. So figure out one thing you wanna do and just try it out. Life is too short to, to wait for the perfect moment or, or to wait for the perfect lighting. Or, like, you have superpowers that, that are within you that you just need to build the confidence to execute on. And so my biggest takeaway right now, figure it out, do something you love, and just start right now. As soon as you turn off this podcast, I need you to figure it out and just start today. Whether it's sketching it out, whether it's Googling it and figuring out the next steps, but just start because action creates impact. I love it. Can you do one for me? One for me, do yeah, it. Yeah, I would say. So um, let's grab Coffee Nation. You know, for me, I would say if there's one thing you can do, it's to write it down. Write it down nice. and really put, like, it doesn't have to be elaborate, it doesn't have to be comprehensive. Write it down and then just start. And I think that's the recipe to just building momentum and getting it going. Raphael Wong, Canvas Series. Let's grab coffee. Let's grab coffee. Thank you so much, bro. Here we go.